welcome to the CTO podcast. This is episode three and my name is Matt Clark. It's been a while since I last did one of these podcasts. Um, basically what I've been doing is focusing on getting the content from the original podcast into video, which I found was a, a more useful format in terms of some of the complicated um, subject matters that we're doing. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing the podcast. I'm very much going to continue, but what I'm going to try and do is amalgamate the two. In fact, this next podcast, which is about 2017 trends, uh, what I'm actually doing is taking the audio from the podcast. Um, it does work, hopefully, uh, and it gets across the subject that we've been talking about. So the subject, as we kind of draw out 2016, we start focusing on 2017 and some of the future, both maturing technology trends and the emerging technology trends. Um, I hope you like listening. Uh, I'm just going to hand over now back to the, the YouTube audio and hopefully uh, it's good. If you do want to get to the YouTube video itself, uh, you can get through to it by my website, which is mattclarkcto.com. That's mattclarkcto.com. Enjoy. CTO Bytes episode three. So this is the, the third, which uh, accompanies my podcast, which I've been doing on a, on a regular basis, but we've kind of turned it into video. Uh, I'm going to keep doing both at the same time, uh, but I've found that some of the subject matter requires a bit of um, visuals around it. So hence we've kind of moved to YouTube to be able to start doing doing uh, some illustrations behind things to explain some of the concepts. Um, so uh, this uh, episode is about uh, my 2017 trends. Uh, so normally about this time of year, uh, we start preparing for the end of the year and as we come into December and silly season, what we tend to do is start to put together some um, trends and forecasts for 2017 onwards. Um, so this year is no different. Um, I guess what is different this year is I'm covering quite a few areas. Uh, some of them are very long-term trends, but it's about seeding some of the thinking now as we, as, as we move forward. Uh, to get to get at least some of the building blocks and some of the foundations in place to some of these long-term, uh, long-gain trends that we need to need to move forward with. Um, so I'm going to break this down, and we're going to cover off each section as we go. Uh, and I'm going to try and seed some other videos over the top to explain what what we're going. So that's going to be some hand-drawn diagrams and also just some general uh, conceptual videos. Uh, so starting off. Um, Biggest thing that, and I've already produced a video for this, is the digital enterprise hub. This is one of the biggest things I think will happen towards uh, the digital estate, and particularly technology and consultancy agencies offering digital solutions. Uh, so this is everything above the back office systems and infrastructure. So everything that traditionally would sit within the content management, uh, commerce worlds. Uh, where you've got core vendor platforms delivering services up to consumers through the internet. Uh, so whether that's traditional web browser environment, mobile apps, or IoT onwards. Uh, so the Enterprise Digital Hub effectively brings the solution together. It goes beyond content management and it goes beyond commerce and brings together both the uh, capabilities uh, of a platform to support um, entire customer ecosystems. Uh, across the entire life cycle of a customer and also provides the infrastructure and connectivity for other devices coming online, so whether it's mobile apps or whether it's uh, Internet of Things solutions. Uh, so it provides a single uh, cohesive platform to be able to bring everything together. So that's my 
number one um, immediate prediction in terms of I, I see this moving I see uh, vendors starting to uh, go beyond standard content management installations and commerce installations really start to create a platform that both delivers data intelligence uh, content functionality back back office systems back office services as we start to as we start to deliver more capability for the consumers that are out there um, the next one um, is one that's very interesting to me. Uh, it's a longer term trend. Um, however, we need to start seeding some of the thinking now. And it's in the realms of artificial intelligence. Already you can start to see some noise in the mainstream, mainstream press around the capabilities of artificial intelligence and what it can mean to, to today's world and how it can improve business scenarios and some of the scary stuff around that as well in terms of what does it mean for society and things like the, the kill switch in, in a lot of these type solutions. Now it's a long way off. Um, I first started talking about this last December. Um, the reason I started talking about it last December, I could see the capabilities of some of the technologies that were developed in the 60s um, really starting to come into play and through frameworks and open source frameworks that have been provided such as the Google TensorFlow uh, capability. It's enabled us to start to see how we can use the possibility uh, or how we can um, seed AI in today's uh, ecosystems. Um, so that's everything from basic automation through, through to intelligent decision-making capability. So AI is a big thing. Uh, the thing is with AI, it, provides, it, it needs a particular problem type um, and you know, it's a big game changer. But the, the thing you need to understand is how you really need to look at the problems to be able to apply A-level automated thinking and machine learning capabilities. So again, this is an area that's a hot subject for me at the moment. Uh, I've prepared a separate video called Zero to AI, which I'll link to off the, off the bottom of this YouTube. Um, and it talks about the concept of building AI capability and how we can actually start to see some of that techno technology in today's, uh, into today's infrastructures. Now the key thing about it, AI is it builds on top of the enterprise digital hub concept that we're talking about. Um, I've been looking at it purely from a digital perspective and what it means in terms of the types of services that we deliver into organizations um, and you know really building on top of big data and that, that kind of big data um, uh, investment that's been carried out and how we can start to use that data and start to understand the problem types around there to be able to apply a level of automation on top of it. Now AI in itself um, it you know it, it's fundamentally different in terms of the way you look at it the, the concept of an AR, AI architecture is, is very key moving forward. Uh, we need to think about, um, not just about rules anymore, but the capability of the machine to learn rules based on different types of data and understanding that data as we start to build up, build up solutions. So without going into too much detail, uh, please watch my other, my other YouTube on, on, on Zero to AI and it will give you a bit more background around the kind of things that we're starting to do in terms of seeding this technology that's out there. But it's certainly one for the radar and it's certainly one that organisations need to start preparing for and start thinking about uh, in terms of the capability that's out there. And it doesn't necessarily need to be the biggest organisations that have massive R&D budgets to be able to um, start thinking a, a level of automation. Um, it, it's one of those areas which is about the sum of all parts. Um, so the, there are little seeding automated um, elements of technology that can be played out and it's bringing all those solutions together into a, into a single central ecosystem that gives you a level of intelligence on top of that. Um, 
as a means to, to breaking out of our current analytics, personalization, targeting, business intelligence um, as, as a subject area as it is at the moment. Within the digital world, this very much sits within the analytics platforms. Um, by separating that out and seeing that AI um, can be a, a long-term um, uh, journey for us um, in terms of analytics uh, and where we are in terms of the, the, the basic analytics platforms that are out there and understanding that data that's out there. What we will see, which is really my third um, trend for 2017, is the emergence of BI solutions in the digital world Bear in mind that BI has been around for a long time in terms of um, corporate systems and back office systems, but BI will start to emerge away from analytics. Uh, so we'll see the emergence of platforms over the top of basic raw analytical data that will can look at every single data set within an organization, create central business intelligence platforms, which is a starting point. Um, so there's going to be a lots of investment around dashboarding technologies, consolidation of analytics platforms, targeting information and then starting to infer meaning from the trends and forecasts that sit within that. And it's not just about the digital estate, it's about combining all the different data touch points across an entire customer ecosystem to be able to give us some real business intelligence. So that's my recommendation uh, for number three in terms of the 2017 trend. Um, bringing me on to number four, um, there's a the subject area called the vendor, vendor innovation gap. Um, these are vendors, obviously, are very key partners within the ecosystem that we all operate within. Uh, we talk uh, commerce uh, vendors, content management vendors, uh, mobile app providers. Um, there is uh, these these organisations have gone down a particular route in terms of their product ecosystem. Um, however, as we start to move to a world of um, consolidation across the digital uh, estate. Um, we can start to see innovation gaps opening up where vendors will need to quickly fill the vacuum that gets developed in there. Um, so this is really uh, not just um, providing kind of whether it's commerce or content management suites of tools that focus on marketing or pure commerce. Um, this is looking at the entire digital ecosystem and then what consumers expect across that life cycle that you, you operate with a brand or work with a particular brand if you're a consumer or um, you know have different touch points with a particular brand as a consumer. Um, so vendors need to start to join these dots up together and bring their platforms and really consider the entire enterprise digital ecosystem rather than just marketing or rather than just commerce. So I can see an innovation gap um, starting to be created based on what organizations like ourselves um, need and our customers need from the tools that are out there. So there's gaps in capability starting to open up. Now hopefully the vendors will catch up with that story. Uh, and I can certainly see from a few of the roadmaps I get to see that there is some seeding and thinking uh, around the, the gaps that are opening up in terms of capability. However, our job is to keep the pressure on, uh, is to keep the ideas flowing, uh, keep the product guys um, informed of what our customers are asking for and look to really elaborate and, and, and seed that journey as we can get those products up to that next gap of innovation. Now there will be some, um, I wouldn't say failures in that process, but there will be some businesses that get left behind. Uh, and it's the ones that are the most innovative in terms of providing real technology that 
is is right for the consumers that are out there are the ones that are really going to succeed. Um, so it isn't. It may not necessarily be the businesses that sit within the kind of Forrester and Gartner Magic Quadrant, you know, the top corners. It will be the emerging players that will start to come through. So I'm looking at that really that mid-tier platform of vendors to see what they're going to do next to really disrupt the market that's out there. Then obviously from an enterprise perspective, which we've got many partners in, uh, I'm looking to see how the competition and how they adapt to the competition and equally how do they use their, their commercial um, and financial firepower to outperform the competition that's out there. Um, so the vendor innovation gap is, I know it sounds like a negative phrase, uh, but it's something that I see as um, a big area to watch and a big area to really exert the right kind of pressure and the right kind of ideas within that ecosystem. Um, so the next um, trend, uh, again, is building on one from I talked about last year, which is IoT, the Internet of Things. Um, this area um, has been slow over the last 12 months. However, um, there's lots of products starting to come, on to, to come into play. Now, really, the IoT ecosystems, it, within most of the large product businesses are still playing out. The innovation is still very much happening in R&D, so a lot of this stuff is happening behind closed doors. We're certainly aware of that in terms of the projects that we're involved with. It's all undercovers in terms of the, the types of innovation that's happening and the product roadmaps that are starting to come into play. Uh, but that doesn't mean IoT has uh, certainly gone off the boil. Um, as I said last year, uh, we've got three generations of IoT ahead of us. Uh, organizations that have launched to market at the moment are pr purely providing connectivity. Uh, the second wave will be the standardization which has made leaps and bounds in the last last 12 months in terms of uh, standards starting to emerge both in terms of the big technology partners and some of the open source standards that are coming into play. Um, there's been some scares along the way in terms of security, um, even, even more recently where we're seeing uh, denial of service attacks coming from um, connected devices online. So there's been some scares in there, but that's all helping the innovation kind of lock down and get to a point where it starts to become really productized. Um, so IoT is very much happening, uh, but it's all happening behind closed doors. The holy grail in IoT is generation three, uh, which is where we really bring the internet to the products and, and, and basically provide that wealth of both functionality, content and social capability to products uh, online and how we really get the, the wealth of the internet into the product and look at how the product works within the wider ecosystem. And that's where the innovation and the disruption will play out. Um, so as I kind of talk through this process, you'll hear the word disruption mentioned a lot. IoT is one of the biggest disruptive areas and it's the one that's right for innovation. Um, but it's that generation three, um, which we're not even on generation one yet, uh, but generation three is where all the exciting stuff happens. So if any businesses are planning IoT ecosystems, it's about the long-term strategy, and making sure you've got a clear roadmap in place around the innovation and the ideation of those kind of product ecosystems as we move forward. So IoT, very much still in there for 2017. Um, unfortunately, most of it's behind closed doors, but it's one to be, one to be watching, and it's one to watch in terms of the product ecosystems, the innovation starting to come from that. Um, my next um, prediction is around blockchain and the distributed ledger, which uh, grew out of the Bitcoin um, frameworks and environments. Um, it's a technology that I'm particularly interested in at the moment, not because it will um, create a 
replacement for currency. Um, however, there are some plays for that, um, and not because it will replace a uh, capability for some of the major um, centralized ledger solutions such as Visa and MasterCard. Simply, distributed ledger and blockchain does not handle the transactional throughput of those centralized ledger solutions. However, the interesting thing around the distributed ledger is what it gives us is the capability of applying the, the technology to other sectors uh, where we need to prove trust or prove an event happened, which is particularly powerful. So obviously it's powerful in financial services, but the bit I'm most excited about is proving um, trust points across a B2B environment. Um, so for those of you who don't know what the distributed ledger is, um, generally the world operates on a centralised ledger, so currency has a centralised ledger uh, concept to it in terms of we, are, we have a um, central banking system, um, things like Visa and Mastercard have a centralised ledger in that all transactions are recorded through a centralised process. What the distributed ledger does is gives us the, the capability where the network can prove through um, some very, very clever algorithms that an event happened and it can make sure that event cannot be tampered with because it's not centralized in a central location, i.e. a centralized ledger. Um, because the distributed ledger works as the sum of all the parts, that they all know that this event happened because it was baked into the blockchain. Um, so I won't go into too much detail in terms of how it works, um, but why it's so powerful for financial institutions is obviously it, it ultimately provides that trust capability that that event happened, that transaction happened, or that um, you know that distribution of an asset happened, or that transfer of value happened. It's written into in, into the blockchain. Um, what this could mean for our industry outside of financial services or fintech uh, is that you know we can prove an event happened. So if we're making a B two B transaction, we can prove that that happened. Or even things like ticketing, for example, we can prove that the ticket that I receive at the end of the process has come through a chain of, of trusted partners. Um, so for example, in the ticket tap scenario, what the distributed ledger will enable us to do is check that, that all the people that have received or passed that value down in terms of a digital certificate or a digital uh, ticket of some kind, we can stamp it and show that it's passed through legitimate sources. Um, so there's lots of concepts around that, digital asset management, sharing of um, rights management uh, in terms of us proving that every time we pass a digital asset from one party to another we can sign it and we can then prove it's come through a legitimate chain of authority. So that's why distributed ledger is quite exciting, it's, it's um, been heavily invested in at the moment in terms of financial services. Um, it's our job to make sure that we can start to leverage on that technology within um, some of our ecosystems and some of our environments. Um, so it means a lot for things like copyright protection and um, proving that you know somebody that created such and such asset, copy, you know, copyrighted asset, um, can effectively prove their their right to, for example, royalties off the back of it. Um, so how that plays out in the digital estate, um, there's lots of ideas around that, and you know there's certainly a lot of capability um, around the, the technology that's there. Um, so that's uh, distributed ledger. Um, the next uh, trend uh, is more of a corporate trend, uh, and what, what I'm seeing is organisations need, because organisations are under so much um, basically competition um, around dis disruptive technologies, uh, that word again, disruptive technologies, 
um, and disruptive business models. Um, traditional organisations that have been around for some time are all facing the same level of competition. Um, and it, it's game changer stuff in terms of the types of businesses that they run. Um, so mandated innovation is a concept where a board or an organisation has a corporate policy around innovation. Um, so that could be, um, as I spoke about last year, um, DuPont um, making sure that at least 40% of all their revenues uh, come from products that were um, originated within the last, say, five years. Um, so I'm not sure whether that's the exact fact around that, but certainly some of those corporate mandated policies to make sure that businesses are always staying at, at the top of their game rather than getting complacent. Uh, what we're trying to avoid is those Kodak moments within organisations and making sure that there's a corporate innovation strategy. And certainly what I'm saying in terms of digital, it being the forefront of um, the bulk of the technology innovation that's out there and organisations need to have a strategy for that. Um, so what we're doing is working with organisations to basically outline that strategy and work out through a number of options to ensure that we can mandate innovation into, into today's business and provide the necessary change agents that are needed out there to, to um, ensure that we can stay ahead of the game. Um, so mandated innovation and then um, the, um, not so much the opposite for that, but the um, sister of that is the nurtured innovation concept in that whilst organisations may mandate a corporate policy around innovation, um, the, the concept of businesses nurturing through incubation um, innovation environments. So this is um, really the march of the proof of concept. Uh, we're seeing lots of products, uh, projects out there that are purely around proof of concept, proving points around technology or change agents for organisation, whether it's product, technology, offerings, uh, where we're, we're proving those out before we move ahead and it's about ring fencing that nurtured innovation budgets to be able to start doing those solutions. Um, so projects aren't necessary about just um, a guaranteed um, project to, to deliver a particular solution anymore. We see lots of proof of concept work um, and that's really critical because what that tells us is organisations are both optimistic to the future in terms of the, the enablement of technology that's out there um, but equally um, are worried about disruption and they're trying to put um, policies and practices in place to be able to um, really support um, nurtured innovation within their organisation and if things work they stick to the wall uh, and then they move into, into proper projects. Um, so again, big trend for 2017, starting to see some of those, some of those um, projects uh, come into play. Uh, the next trend builds on top of automation. Uh, so again, you could argue this is um, potentially linked to the entire digital estate, uh, AI, it could potentially link to certainly business intelligent platforms, but this is about applying more intelligent um, logic, so building on the power of the algorithm. Uh, we hear lots of words around algorithm, lots of stories around how these can really um, enrich organisations and provide intellectual property for uh, the types of capability that they, they, they want to offer clients. So this clever black box algorithm scenario is popping up all over the places. If you're, if you're an organisation that's got a clever piece of technology that enables you to do something different, to do something disruptive or certainly to compete better, um, then the power of the algorithm is a, is a, a huge gain. 
Now, what we will see is this start to come mainstream as businesses really start to automate those processes. And again, building on the digital enterprise hub and understanding all the different data touch points consumers do in the digital world and then starting to apply some auto automated technologies uh, against that. So automated technologies initially around the data that we're collating, the profiling that we're collating, but then automated technologies in terms of how the systems then respond. So whether that's websites, apps, um, navigational experiences, uh, back office marketing services, above the line marketing services, um, commerce capability, these snippets, these micro automation points which you could argue are on that journey to artificial intelligence but give us a capability that enables the, the digital ecosystem to start to behave and respond and takes, take away some of the human load on, on the platforms. So those automation touch points are really key and I think as, as a technologist looking for those, looking for those gains in any, any ecosystem is really key where we can start to automate things better we can then uh, both enrich the experience and increase the value of the technology that's in play so automation is a big one for 2017 and starting to look at how we can apply that to entire digital ecosystems next one is um, video um, it's great that I'm talking through this media at the moment um, video is again been a big thing for a number of years um, but in terms of the entertainment, watching habits, marketing habits, consumer ha habits that are out there. Video is becoming even more powerful as a medium to be able to um, market to consumers, to convey information, to tell a story. Um, so I see this, this um, movement continuing. Uh, I see some clever technologies around video starting to come into play. I see it becoming even more embedded within our social networking communities and more embedded within our digital estates in that we're using lots more video. And, you know, navigation of video is still something that is uh, very linear. Um, this is something that we've talked about for many years in terms of trying to provide better, more um, um, improvable and uh, jump to navigation points off, off, off video technologies. Um, let's see how this plays out. I'm still, I'm still not seeing some of the stuff that we worked on nearly 20 years ago in terms of some of the experiences around that. What I would love to see over the next 12 months or so is some of that technology starting to come to play. Come, come to play. But just video in general, um, both creation of it, creating content, making sure that we've got the infrastructure to support it, building into your digital estates, building into your apps, building into your social. Um, it's going to be a big thing for 27 and it will continue as, as, as we move forward. Um, and then final um, is one for gaming more than anything, but again one that we're often very early to the party. Um, as it starts to become mainstream we tend to back away from, from the, the, the stuff that's um, certainly as it, as it becomes less exciting. Uh, but virtual VR and virtual reality, um, particularly in gaming, will be a big hit in 2017. Um, so, you know, whether that's um, the latest um, HoloLens um, type functionality uh, or uh, whether it's um, PlayStation in terms of the latest launches from a gaming perspective or even, um, you know, VR in terms of um, e e navigational experiences. Uh, you know, for example, there's a ton of new drones coming onto the market with virtual reality goggles where you can actually you know share the flying experience um, so this technology is going to become um, huge in 2017 and I think we're just see, starting to see the start of that 
For me, what's really critical around VR is how can we um, bring that technology into the digital estate and use it as a powerful content asset moving forward. Um, there's a ton of ideas around that. Um, I'm not going to go too much into it now, but let's just see how this plans out from 2017. Um, and that is probably it for tech trends. Um, what I'll do is produce um, some sub areas as new technology starts to emerge. Um, there's been a lot talked about here. This is just about highlights. Um, so hopefully it just covers off the, the basics. I'm going to write a blog article on this as well. And I'm also going to do my usual podcast on this. Um, but each subject in its own right has got a lot of detail. Um, so I'm going to be working on that in terms of actually breaking this down into ind individual components as we move forward. Any comments uh, or any subject areas you think I missed, please drop me a, a comment in the usual place. Thanks for listening.